0: all
1: right well welcome back to the glue guys this is mike here say hello brad hello Check us out on Twitter at PKglueGuys, NetsDaily.com. Almighty Brawler. Brian, the Nets are
0: It's really back. a shame that we live on opposite ends of this of this world because this really could <laughs> use a nets are back drop more more than ever. It feels like they're back this time.
1: We just need an XL cord that goes from Ooh. where you are in Brooklyn, which I will not name, unnamed part of Brooklyn
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: to Chelsea. I'll name where I am at chelsea yeah. that's the life i'm living wow you know? luxurious out, out and this proud is... in chelsea <laughs> watch <laughs> I, out I, I'm, I'm sitting in my quote-unquote penthouse apartment in chelsea mm. uh why, why is that quote unquote well it doesn't feel like it if i if i said to you that i live in a penthouse in chelsea it sounds it sounds different than what my life is like life is not it's a, matter a matter of perception chelsea, i baby. guess
0: mike because it feels like to me i'm talking to a guy that lives in a penthouse in chelsea that's That's what it's always felt like.
1: And you know what, though? And that's sort of what the Nets are like, Brian. Mm. Because, you know, if you look Longview, they may say from the Nets' perspective, oh, you know, yeah, we have this great young team, and we have all this cap space, and now we're on this massive win streak. But it doesn't feel that way from the inside. But from the outside, it certainly looks like a penthouse apartment in Chelsea because, Brian, the Nets are back.
0: You said it. Um do you want to talk about our our findings from from the last two games? How about that slog fest, that poop fest that was the Bulls' games last night? That one for me think, felt like the the better win, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it's it is it is more indicative of the difference that of that what is happening with this team. The Bulls' win than it would have been the Lakers' win. The Lakers' win was the Nets had a, a day off. They were at home. They had been at home for the past two games, and that was the third game in a row at home. They weren't playing any back to backs in that stretch, you know. They were rested. They were ready. the The Lakers were still without Brandon Ingram, so you could build this sort of argument that the Lakers, you know, you know, they've been on the road. They had been on a bad stretch. I think they were one and two at that point. Now that made them one and three. The Lakers isn't and the Nets
0: win. Isn't the consensus now that like Brandon Ingram's not that good? I feel like I'm, I've been tracking his stock you. value, but like thank you. I think people have ca- have caught on to your your perception and I don't know I was listening to I think the low post not long ago and they were not not super thrilled with Brandon Ingram
1: it, to me it's just like there's some obvious signs right of a guy who is either a difference maker or is not and it, so like the the comparison has always been him and KD just because they're long, long skinny dudes who can shoot very different um, but like Ingram has never been a distributor in any sense of the word and KD can like have in a 7 assist game he can have like he could consistently put out four assists a game and then span up to eight. Where Ingram has always just been sort of I don't know, he's not that athletic either. That's also the thing about him. He's not but it's fine. You know, whatever. Mm. I don't even want to go into the Brandon Ingram debate. Um well, it's not. Brian. The Nets are back. Yeah. It is <laughs> so
0: So to sorry, I interrupted you, but you were going on to say the Lakers game, there was a narrative there where it seemed like that was a more um there was more enthusiasm for that game and thus uh, an easier win. But there was no enthusiasm for that Chicago Bulls Games. <clears throat> nobody wanted to be there. Um, nobody. Not even Bulls fans. Nobody wanted that game. Um, and Nets went into hostile, lethargic <laughs> territory. <laughs> and what a disaster uh, that team That's is. It's funny to me because like the most... Um, like they touched a little bit about this, uh I think like Sarah Kustak did where it's like that that energy of just like um like tiredness and like disinterest is is infectious <laughs> and it was like true even before the game like like um it was, it's hard to like hard to hard to think of like why that exactly was, but it really felt like total total lack of interest from both sides um and yet we still um overcame those those problems, Mike didn't we?
1: Yeah, and it's so, and it was funny because they were like, there was like two minutes where the Bulls put out maximum effort when they were diving on the floor, when like both teams were diving on the floor for loose balls, and who was doing the play-by-play? I think it was Ian Eagle Mm -hmm. um, was saying, you know, maximum effort from the Chicago Bulls. It's like, yeah, in that short burst, there were a couple of dudes who jumped on the ground to grab the ball, but really for the most part, the Bulls didn't even seem that interested in the game themselves like they had that guy I think like Shaquille Harrison who I think was a G leaguer two-way guy and then he was playing pretty aggressively he was a short guard that was the only guy who was dunking on everything uh, yeah he was he was doing something like Bobby Portis was just like being um awkwardly aggressive and like pokey he was like poking dudes a little bit by the way do you think
0: um, that Jared Allen listens to the show because I've
1: noticed a an uptick in torque in his dunks <laughs> have you noticed that he for sure listens to the show. We know Jared Allen listens to the show because he's a learned man, and <laughs> yeah. and also he can link up with. Can we mention what your father-in-law does? Like I think they would <laughs> they would bond. But he doesn't. You he doesn't like he does
0: this professionally, but so like this is the meme when, when people build their own computers. It's like you <laughs> watch a YouTube video and you buy the parts that they instruct you to buy. It's not you're not freaking soldering motherboards together um but yeah so he like is building a like a, a little desktop for me um in the same way that Jared's father-in-law my father um but which
1: would be dope actually jared allen should get into like building computers for fans yeah that oh, would be yeah. like a nice little racket you can do markups and stuff like that come on yeah talk to me jared <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah um that would be a good issue for time jared um but anyway, so yeah he's building computers not unlike jared allen um he also games too, so we're probably going to link up, play a little CS uh, CS:GO, Danger Zone, Battle Royale game. You ever- how
1: so? Quick diversion. How did you feel about Ninja being courtside? Um, I was,
0: I, I was trying to think about like so. Obviously, well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I it was such an interesting person to be there because like I'm like aware of him in like, and I don't know really why or how. I feel like I've seen him and I know what he does, but like I don't know why I'm so aware of this guy. Like I saw him immediately. I was like, is that that? That dude from Twitch, um, but he seems like he's like living a, a real life. Like they're you know they're coming out of their Twitch caves and and existing in the real world, which is interesting. You know that's like the first time I've seen that.
1: Well, it's funny because that he he's courtside at the Nets game, and then on my Instagram feed, as Instagram is wont to do, there's an article from I think the Sunday Times about uh, Ninja, and in it it's all about him and how he's risen to be the the face of Fortnite and all that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff and he says in the article that he makes like five hundred thousand dollars a month on playing just playing video games not like from the twitch stream or what he does on instagram or anything like that Mm because he's 11 million instagram followers and he says i'm i'm telling people this because i want people to know that you can make money playing video games that like this should be something people to aspire to and it's he says that and then he shows up courtside in nets game it's like this is happening, Brian. Like, he is... Oh, yeah. I mean, I if there was any doubts that he was making boatloads of cashola, um, that that I have no doubts about. <clears throat> um, I almost don't know what to compare him to. Like, who is... Who are his forefathers and foremothers? Like, who is, like, the the emerging industry, like, the emerging entertainment platform that someone is now the face of? It's, like, the first movie star, yeah. right? Like,
0: like, I guess, like, PewDiePie on YouTube is, like, the closest comparison <laughs> i don't know
1: yeah yeah you go like yeah i'm thinking like way back like the literally the first movie star i don't even know who that would be like the first person <laughs> to be like, like
0: the lumiere brothers for photography Is that, yeah they're yeah. like
1: judy garland she's old enough right <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure it's like he's he's will be the father of gaming there's no question he's the guy he's like well he's, he's whatever a... else ha- happens in the future he, he's the face of it He's the guy.
0: So, But also, he's still a complete mark because he was clapping it up for the Lakers. So, you know, screw that oh, guy. Yeah. Um, and he was yeah. giving, like, you know, very controlled golf claps. So, you know, um, if you're going to sit courtside and be rooting against the other team, um, I, expect a more. I expect a little bit more. I expect a little bit more.
1: Let's talk a little Nets, Nets basketball, Brian. Um, <clears throat> the Bulls game, I mean, so, like, again, the Bulls game is sort of a- – a special moment because it would have been classic not even nets just classic sort of young team dealing with the newfound wealth of fame or newfound wealth of success to then lose a back-to-back the first game was at home the second game's on the road you're against a team that probably is the worst team in the nba at this point especially because zach levine's off the team at the moment jabari parker is off the team completely but you know they're at home they're playing a team that's on a back-to-back. It's like the classic sort of NBA trap game. And the Nets, what they ended up doing was playing well down the stretch, making the plays at the end of the game, Joe Harris diving on the ground for the ball, you know, Dinwiddie getting that deflection. This was, I mean, as short of a span of time, our, our spans of attention are so short. It's where we go from Kenny Atkinson's on the hot seat to now reports that the Nets are going to be buyers at the deadline. What is What a change that we're... Going through Brian, and it it's it's fantastic. The Nets are, yeah, right there in the conversation for the eighth seed for sure. We
0: gotta at least have an eight game win streak, just just for the symmetry of it. You know, the symbolism. That stuff's important to me, Mike.
1: And and then we get the quote afterwards, wouldn't it be like? So we finally dug ourselves out of the holes that we created for ourselves. and so now <laughs> now we reset the tables. That's mm-hmm. what they're going to be doing. I mean, just quickly about the schedule going forward, and we need to talk about whether we're going to show up to this Pacers game on Friday. Um, are we, um, are we, have we, have you hit up your contact? Are we, do you think we're going to do You know that? what? Maybe I've not. been
0: chatting with him. I think he's dead. I can't
1: get a hold of him. <laughs> so. so the Nets play the Pacers on Friday at home, then a day off then home Sunday against the Suns. Um, I think the Suns are on a back to back that night. I have to check that again. And then they have the Christmas break off because somehow the Nets weren't on the Christmas marquee. I don't know how that. That didn't happen. And then they have a back-to-back against the Hornets, essentially. They play Hornets on a Wednesday and then a Hornets at the Hornets on a Friday. More juicy games, Brian. More juicy, like, just... Mm -hmm. The Pacers are the kind of team the Nets are not going to probably beat because they're maximum effort plus more talent, but... You say that now. there's, There's wins to be scooped up. There are wins to be had amongst that pile there's a chance that the nets could actually be back to 500 by the end of this month and that's an incredible thing to say after when we began this month they were thinking about tanking or there was rumors that kenny atkinson was on the hot seat Mm. what's what do we attribute this turnaround to brian who gets the credit
0: this is i mean for me this is like regression to the mean you know i don't think that i mean i think when everyone was Losing their minds over the eight game losing streak. I think we can go back and listen to the episode at when we're at game like seven of our losing streak. <laughs> and I had a very controlled, very middle of the road response to all this. I think I think you would agree with that, Mike. Is that is that fair?
1: Yeah, you were you were the most tempered of all all Nets Nation. And
0: I and I that's my role here, you know, because as a glue guy, I got to take the temperature <laughs> down in the room sometimes. Um, but in this case, I. I totally believed what I was saying. You know, that's not always the case. Sometimes I say that I black out and I have no idea what I said. Um, but in this case, I totally believe that. And so, yeah, I mean, like the, the way in which we were losing those games was so, um, like, it just wasn't such an aberration to like the normal way people lose basketball games repeatedly over and over again in such a sequence. Like, it just doesn't normally happen that way. And like I say, you know, 99% of these games have been like incredibly imminently watchable. And that's a a big indicator of success like you can't like get that close to playing full complete games over and over again and then like continue to lose them over and over again it's just it's just not possible you're gonna figure that last two minutes out eventually um and that's what we seem to be doing you know um and that's not to say that we're gonna continue winning you know forever it's this is the mean you know we're 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 regressing to it so again, I still see this as a as a i mean a thirty like thirty five win team ish. Um and so there's there's going to be more heartbreak ahead. I'm like prepare yourselves for that. Um <laughs> but but also like let's enjoy the regression, so to speak, as as it's happening because um it's been pretty fun, no?
1: Yeah, and so there's a couple of things that like have already gotten lost within this mix of this win streak and then the losing streak. Is that like we forget that Karis Lavert is not playing basketball for this team, right? The, the guy that we talked about the most at the beginning of the season is not a factor within, one, the losing streak, of course, and then the win streak that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also seeing an ascendant D'Angelo Russell. It's funny that we go from ball handler Lavert being like the cornerstone of the Nets turnaround, and then we give does Spencer Dinwiddie deserve an extension? He gets the extension, and he's playing, like, fantastic. Okay, so another ball handler. And then, like, the third guy within that sort of mix right there was D'Angelo Russell, which is the most awkward of all of the conversations because, you know, there was some sense that they were going to re-sign Dinwiddie at the amount that they were going to just depended on the years. that was probably going to happen. And LaVert is with the team because of his rookie contract. He's solidified being in this foundation but like we don't we did not know what what was going to happen with d'angelo we still don't know what's going to happen with d'angelo um and it would be easy for nets fans to sort of dismiss him as being part of the future of the team just for salary cap reasons we all now understand the salary cap and it's not that much fun to know it right it's like not not a fun part about being a basketball fan is to be like super locked in on the future salary cap implications of any contract, but that's just like what you have to do now. But D'Angelo is playing ascendant during this win streak. I mean, during that Lakers game, obviously if I make a, a terrible joke tweet about how he played like he had a grudge against the Lakers. Mm. Um, great tweet. Always <laughs> a good tweet for me. Um, I said this was probably one of his best games, that Lakers game as a net. Um uh, net income tweeted at me and said probably as if saying this was his best game. Um yeah, it it I think you could say justifiably that was his second best game because the best game again was the Jimmy Butler game winner against the Sixers where D'Angelo went for 38-8 eight, and 8 and had one turnover. Like if you're removing the W or L at the end of that game, D'Angelo Russell still had 38-8-8 in one tournament. That's like a... Nah, you're, a, you're forgetting the, the symbolic elements,
0: Mike, and that's the most important part. What, wins? Ws? No, no, not the, veins? The, the narrative coming into the game, you know? Those are, the, those are the things that stick in people's minds when they're writing <laughs> in the annals of basketball history, you know?
1: I think we're finally getting back to the D'Angelo that you and I saw at the beginning of last season, um, has he maybe has like he a,
0: moved up the point guard ranks to <laughs>
1: past, no, past Shabazz? Maybe Shabazz, <laughs> Shabazz is still higher. Right. Um, we do, you know, we used to have a segment. And I think we need to bring it back. Is the Apollo Tweet mm-hmm. um, segment? We need to get the sounder back in because well, we got to link up more. You get just bring the baby over. Yeah, bring the baby over. He he'd be fine with sitting in the background listening to us talk. I mean, when I when I have him by myself, when I'm the sole provider of care, yeah. I have podcasts on in the background because I hope that the hot takes just seep into his bones, right. so he can be like a hydra of Stephen A. Smith, That's Skip Bayless, and Jalen Rose. Like I want people are him.
0: playing like Mozart for their babies, and you're playing <laughs> Skip Bayless
1: <laughs> instead of imagine instead of like baby Einstein, it's baby Stephen A. Yeah, the products that it would be and it would just be like, wow! it would basically just be ways to to scream. Could It'd you imagine like,
0: if like Stephen A was the way that he is on camera, like in life, like if there was like this Steve like just like ordering food, at you know, like that just like a hot take fountain, like at everything that he's doing. That's what you're well, basically going to
1: have here on your hands. It's funny you bring that up because it, I don't think this is blowing up his spot, but I walked by Max Kellerman, Stephen A's co-host on the street the other day in the west village um and max kellerman i think he has two young kids and his young daughter was next to him just talking to him about her day Hmm. and i was just thinking about this guy goes max kellerman goes from getting Stephen a just yelling in his face all day Mm -hmm. right just yells in his face fine yells in his face all day and then he goes and picks up his daughter from wherever she was and then she just just very sweetly, but just like talks in his face all day, and he had like he just the the spectrum of listening that mm. he has to account for. He's a real saint. And, like, yeah, it's it was <laughs> it was like it was just like the two ends of the world meeting together for him, I and mean, he has them both in the same day. Wow. It was a beautiful thing. That's an interesting um, thought, Mike. Where were we, Brian? About the Nets? Do you um, know Russell, how great he is? Yeah, something like that. I completely lost the plot. Good. Um, no, I mean, he he's you know, and now there's articles being written about how I think it was Christian Winfield from SB Nation shout out. Um, he, he's trying, he was talking about like the, and it's a good article to read it too if you're a Nets fan about what, how the Nets can sort of figure out with their max free agent pursuits how they can also fit in a D'Angelo Russell contract. Um, what is he gonna, what is it gonna take to get him and you know, all the like, what is it gonna take to resign him and blah 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 and also within that was all the discussion about how scouts from multiple teams are following the nets as they do with every team mm-hmm. um but the suns specifically have had their top scouts at nets games and the nets have had their top scouts at suns games um i'm still not clear exactly what the trade would be though like it's still did you see the uh, vince goodwill thing
0: um on yahoo that they uh, they linked to it on <clears throat> nets daily as well
1: I did. What it, what was it again?
0: Our Nets one player away. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um so they're like is this the like are they like one year behind where the Lakers are effectively? Like you know, um not having LeBron.
1: It's an interesting well so like sort of like the idea of what has the best foundation for a max free agent, which team? Okay? And it's a weird discussion because like technically, it'd be like New Orleans. Like if if New Orleans could flip Drew Holiday into someone's space, like let's say the Phoenix Suns. They're like here here's Drew Holiday. You get a really good player for free. Then they sign Kevin Durant. Then you have Kevin Durant and AD. Like anyone with Anthony Davis would be the best foundation. But that they almost don't even count in the conversation because there's so much that has to go into making that happen that a max agent could sign there. But, like, if you just compare what the Lakers were before LeBron got there and what the Nets are right now before whoever may come, it may not happen, but whoever may come, the the sort of the starrier roster were the Lakers for sure because they had Lonzo and Brandon Ingram and Kuzma. Um, and we'll talk about your idea of Q- Kuzma in a second. <laughs> but the Nets, have, like, the Nets have a more fertile ground with which to grow, right? Like... Th- most of the NBA would consider none of the players in the Nets to be more promising than those guys, mostly, mostly, um, but if you come into the Nets, you get now you get um, Spencer Dinwiddie as either your starting point guard or your backup point guard who scores you know, about 20 points a game at this point, which is super solid. You have Joe Harris, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Jared Allen, what is he? The best, like, super young center in the NBA. I, you know, let me span the globe. I'll look around. I'm saying below the Karl Anthony Towns generation. Mm-hmm. Um, Karis Levert, you have Karis Levert who is a wing who can handle the ball. So there's just like, there's a lot there to to be excited about if you're a team, if you're a free agent coming in. Um, a more stable setup than sort of what the Lakers had, where it was just like three or four young guys. But, like you're not quite sure about two of them, and one of them, in Kuzma is sort of a fraud, um, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. we watched him. What did you think of Kyle Kuzma? I
0: hadn't. I actually went back and rewatched uh, parts of the the Lakers game uh, for for that reason, just because like I hadn't really ever paid attention to Kuzma, and he's hilarious. He's like a hilarious <laughs> player because he's so um, he like kind of flies under the radar as like super out to lunch. Like he like. Um, is like the most likely player in the in the maybe in the NBA to get like a backdoor cut on him. You know, he just seems like yes. um, like r- really um, like having a hard time focusing except when the ball's in his hand, and then he can do like cool and interesting things. Uh, but whenever the ball's not on his hands, it's like he he may. Like he hasn't like an out-of-body experience, it looks like. Plus he also has like tattoos of his own last name on his chest. There's like <laughs> other parts of him that like he's such a I'm trying to think of a good comparison for him. Like, I just feel like that's like those are guys that like like he's ascended to this like plateau in life where he he sort of like surprised himself and had no like he reminds me of guys that I went to high school with, right? Who just like were like good at basketball but like were like, you know, otherwise completely non entities. You know, they hadn't like really facilitated any other personality other than just like i'm like destined for like a d3 school um and playing basketball there um but you know i'm, I'm projecting obviously a lot <laughs> based on <laughs> based on the tattoo of his own last name on his chest but uh he just sort of like reminds me of those kind of guys who are who are, but he like you know he just kept like the ball kept rolling and you know things kept cracking his way and suddenly he's like on the lakers like and a promising young player but there are huge huge gaps in his game um at least, just from like that one. Maybe he was like having a bad night or whatever. But having watched that one game pretty closely, he's
1: he's a funny dude. Um, yeah, that yeah. that's the fun, the thing about trying to view the NBA through watching every Nets game is that you get you get <laughs> yeah. like the maybe Kuzma is different. I don't I don't think he is because I actually have seen him mm-hmm. more than this one time. But like that game was pretty glaring that Jared Dudley was just blowing by him. Yeah, Jared Dudley of all people, it's amazing. Jared Dudley was doing the simplest thing, and he actually continued it in the Bulls game, was the slight pump fake of the three-point line. Yeah. guy comes flying past him, and then he just dribbles around him and goes to the hoop. And that's what's incredible is that like it wasn't even that he was then being met at the hoop when Jared Dudley had to make another play. Against the Lakers, he was just going to the hoop. He yeah. like free reign. It was like open for him. That was, I mean, it's actually funny as
0: like Jared Dudley and Kyle Kuzma as like sort of yin and yangs. Like they, like Jared Dudley <laughs> does exactly like what Kyle Kuzma's uh, like, at least by my perception, like his weaknesses are, which is like, is the most inclined to bite on any kind of really lame pump fake or, or jab step or whatever it is. Like a super slow, like bad fake is like, you know, kryptonite to, to Kyle, Kyle Kuzma. And that's um, all Jared Dudley can do at this point in his life. And,
1: and I have to admit like part of my anti Kuzma stance is because of the D'Angelo Russell trade where now when they people bring up that trade they're like, "Well, the Lakers, the Nets traded Kyle Kuzma." You'll see that and I'm like, "This is insane. Does, do people not remember the trade at all that the yeah, they they traded the first round pick that ended up being Kyle Kuzma, but they didn't they didn't like draft him take it wasn't like what? The Nets drafted Kyle Korver, right? Right, and then traded him. And then traded him. This was a situation where the, the Nets traded that pick and right. he became Kuzma. Yeah, I mean, like, that stinks that, of course, the pick became a really good player, but they didn't trade Kyle Kuzma. That's not how this thing worked. It's not how the Louis. its not like the Louisiana Purchase where they, like, where the French just gave away a bunch—like, we knew that that was all the land. All that land was great. We all wanted that land. That land was fantastic. It's mm-hmm. not like that. They didn't know that Kyle Kuzma was going to be there or that Kyle Kuzma was going to be Kyle Kuzma, Brian. Um, <laughs> so partly why I want to knock him down a peg or two is because I don't want that trade to look as good as it kind of did for the Lakers. It ended up looking pretty good. But now that D'Angelo's ascendant, maybe not so good. I'm um, looking at Kyle Kuzma's stats. Um, Jared Dudley. So keys to the turnaround, Brian. Uh, They've they've learned how to close out games. D'Angelo Russell's been just fantastic. Um, Full control of the offense when he's in. Dinwiddie hasn't slagged at all by getting that contract, which not that you thought he would, but he hasn't. Um, Rodion's Krooks has been a revelation. He's been, you know, like, so that I think the Nets, like, plus minus. um, Let me figure this out. So, like, the point differential that the Nets have is – what is it, .06, negative .06, meaning the Nets are 15 and 18. On average, they 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 would lose most games by .06, meaning they're going to win some, they're going to lose some. But like for the most part, they're going to lose them. Having just the added uh, boost from karuts is the difference. Like Those little miniature bump-ups make a big difference when your team is like right on the line between losing games at the end or winning them at the end. Because he makes a couple more plays during the game that make a big difference. And it's a weird thing. Like, Jared Dudley coming off the bench is way more effective than him being with the first unit. Just, he just, he he can then take advantage of guys who are at the end of the bench and make plays against them where before he was playing against, you know, Tobias Harris. And he was just getting, it looked kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But now he's making plays against, I don't even know who the, Bulls backups are um besides Robin Lopez, who's leaning super hard in being the evil Lopez brother. Just <laughs> Yeah. I went Brooke Lopez was on the Lo, uh Zach Lowe's pod, and I really want to get Brooke on because I really just want to ask him one about Star Wars and two about do him and his brother align their looks? Like do they discuss all right, I'm going to be the one with the longer hair and a goatee, and then I'll be the more clean-cut sort of version. Like, do they have – is that a conversation that they have in their household? Because I think it is. Mm. Knowing from what I heard from this podcast, they're pretty aligned with what they do in their personal lives. I think they do that. I think they decide what they're going to look like going in. Was that a recent show that he had? Him on? Yeah, it came out on Tuesday. Oh. Awesome. There were some good Nets things in there, like um, – <clears throat> Like there was, you know, discussion about how, like, Brooks said that he thought he was going to be a net for life, that he was like really looking forward to being being there through this rebuild, and that he would be a part of the team as they became good again. Um, which was, I thought that was genuine. I didn't think that was like a mm-hmm. like just a thing you say. And then he said a couple of things about there's like a Devin Harris fight in the locker room. There was with him. Implic- he fought David Harris. I think it was like an assistant coach they mentioned. Oh. Um, and then there was like a Zach Lowe brought up something about how like um, sort of like a spiritual guru was brought in on the team. You know, like the worst team in Nets history to try to exercise the demons. <laughs> <My> God, <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Brooke didn't like super want to get into it. Um, um,
0: that's amazing. That explains like, the meditation room.
1: A hundred percent confirmed that it happened.
0: That um, that I mean, no wonder there's that freaking meditation room. That makes a ton of sense. Who is the spiritual element on that team that's, like, making all these weird decisions?
1: Who, was Kiki VanderWay part of that team? Oh, right?
0: my gosh. That's got to be. I, I, just, <laughs> I mean, be I don't
1: it. really know that much about Kiki VanderWay, but I'm pretty sure.
0: You know, he's like a peyote guy. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, I think that was what it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love the peyote guys. You know, they love it. They so, just love their peyote. Anyways. Um, real quick, I do want to mention this one sort of, not seismic thing, but semi-seismic thing that kind of got released on Wednesday, was that, so Brian Windhorst has been doing these, I think, I don't know if they're on Wednesdays always, but this one came out on a Wednesday. He's been doing sort of like um, a Peter King-esque, like reported, here are the nuggets that I've accumulated over this past week that I'm hearing around the NBA. Um, Big article. This one led off with Anthony Davis, but I think the next thing, yeah, the next element the next story section after anthony davis was about the brooklyn nets we're talking about how two weeks ago kenny atkinson was on the hot seat and now they're on this huge win streak jared allen's fantastic by the way quick thing for people haven't heard this yet jared allen's block on lebron we talked about this brian jared allen has brought block on lebron lebron has dunked the ball something like 1500 times in his career he's only been blocked nine times nine times yeah uh jared allen is one of those people did, okay. did you see LeBron's comments about that?
0: I can't tell if he's memeing or if he's legitimately butthurt, but what it, did he say? On, on paper it seems like insanely butthurt. Um, <laughs> it's like he's basically like uh he's like, you know, I'm thirty I'm in my thirties now and it takes me a while to warm up. Like it just like made a bunch of excuses for it. I was like, What? Like just like this how could you live your life and like not have like not, you know, be able to sort of like shrug that off with a joke or something. Um, I think
1: that was a joke. Do
0: you I, think so? – okay, because I didn't see, like, the video of it, but on paper it seemed, like, sort of n- not joking. But you, I could be wrong.
1: No, like, LeBron obviously is, like, a real sort of interesting dude in terms of, like, he can be super petty, mm-hmm. but he also can be, like, incredibly self-aware at, like, just mm-hmm. totally different times. And it's I – th- I from what I've been – I've been consuming a lot of LeBron talk lately just yeah. from his HBO show. I feel like that was – him sort of making fun of himself a little bit got it he did have like an old guy face after it happened like there was a there was a look of like of like I'm, i know he's older but like there's a look of him on his face of like oh i'm not as young as i used to be like a, like oh crap this is a little different um i'm not even sure i mean like he
0: would have like rage dunked this i mean like i think i don't know it's it's uh, it, it seems like I'm, I don't think age really played into that play that much. He, he was up high. That was, that would normally be a dunk. It was just like Jared Allen was in position, you know? I don't yeah. I don't see it, that as like Jared a big Allen
1: has so many of those like dunks where it's he just does the one arm perfectly placed. Yeah. And he right also uses like the, the wrist ball.
0: against the rim too, which is like, always scares me. Like I really
1: don't want there to be oh, yeah. some kind of
0: gruesome thing there.
1: I really did like when he was bleeding last night, he got sort of that white arm band around. Mm, I like, like that, that look. Uh, look, it was like a little like blood. Ninja. Yeah. Yeah. I think the next. Sh- also what I was thinking was. So in the pie in the Brooke Lopez podcast, they talked about the Jason kid soda spill incident and not that much about it, but just brought it up again. You want to know some next level crap that I, I don't almost, I don't want to see it, but like if you're in the finals and you need a delay of game, someone just cuts themselves just wow. a quick cut <laughs> like, you know because they have to like stop in pro the wrestling from, just like <laughs> give yeah, themselves like across, across the forehead Mickey Rourke in <laughs> the wrestler he just like cuts himself <laughs> they just like some guy like walks out there like quick cut and love- then like he just starts bleeding he's like oh I, we got to pause the game for a second like at the someone's at the free throw line you yeah. know they're trying to distract <clears> him <throat> cut themselves real like, quick oh my no god Spencer
0: Dinwiddie it. is gushing blood out of his forehead and it's covering his face
1: <laughs> but he's gonna get patched up and he's gonna delay like he the just game took for a minute. minutes the old chair to the, to the dome <laughs> yeah. all right so anyways back to Brian Windhorst sorry um in the article again it talks about sort of the difference in a couple of weeks for the Nets the last sentence last two sentences is suddenly they are two games out of six in the east this was before uh the Bulls game And sources report that they're hinting in talks with teams that they could be a buyer at the trade deadline. That's not something that has been said in years. Mm. Um, We sort of touched on this the last pod about the. So after Dinwiddie's extension, it does alter the math of, of what they could do in free agency for sure. This win streak. It's a weird thing. It's not a double-edged sword, Brian, but it's a weird choice is that them continuing to win makes them a more attractive free agent destination. And if they actually competed and got into the playoffs with this team being as young as they are, you would – if you're like a really good free agent, maybe not Kawhi or Kevin Durant, but the next level below it, you'd be like, maybe I if I go to Brooklyn, I can be with this ascendant team. And they're super interesting. That makes it more appealing, um, but the Nets would basically have to be betting on the fact that they are going to get a free agent. Because the other option, which is sort of what's brought up in this <coughs> windhorse thing, is that they could they could make a trade to take on salary to get better, not get worse. Like mm-hmm. they could there could be a guy out there from a crappy team. You know, people bringing up Jabari Parker. I don't really think <coughs> he improves the Nets. At this point in Jabari's career, I, don't, I think they've, I think he's gone too far along on the bad track to be pulled back from it. That's my opinion. Yeah, and but like, and we're,
0: we've gone along too far on the promising track. You know, there's there's other crumier teams that are in traffic and in that kind of in those dregs now instead of us.
1: But like, so I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at. Sport, uh, Sporting News has like a list of guys who could be traded for teams that are sellers. And you're not going to really – I mean, Markel Fultz is number one, but that – I obviously, I advocate for the trade. I think that trade should happen. I don't want the Nets – Still? If now, oh, yeah. You want to give Markel Fultz minutes now? That's the rule. Well you no, know, that's the beauty of what this trade would do because the Nets could trade for him and then shut him down mm-hmm. and say, you're going away. Because the pressure of being the number one pick would not be on Markel Fultz by being on the Nets now. He could go to the Nets, and they could in because the Nets have classically done this with everyone. They can be all about player development, and everyone would buy what they're selling. That sort of bull BS, which I love, Mm -hmm. and they could shut him down for the year. They could say you're going away, Um, but he wouldn't help them this year, obviously. Um, And what you would have to give up, I don't know. It's still so weird. You know, I brought up Joe Harris, and I don't. It's like, I don't know if I really want to give up Joe Harris. Um, and that would hurt the Nets. No way. Yeah, no way. But, okay. Then Jabari's number two on the list. J.R. Smith and Rodney Hood. Oh, my God. You, I don't R. want R. either Smith. of them. It's unbelievable. No. Ken Bazemore. I'm not opposed to Ken Bazemore, um, especially if along with Ken Bazemore comes like Vince Carter. They get to keep their podcast together. And. the podcast? What? Yeah, it's called Winging It. Stop. It's Kent Bazemore, Vince Carter, and, like, one of the sort of media reporters for the Hawks. Are they on like that,
0: the um, uh, like, the LeBron James uh,
1: player thing? podcast? No, thing? they're on the the Ringer podcast network. Got it. Um, but so, you know, Steph Curry... so what does Kent
0: Bazemore talk about?
1: Well, apparently Bazemore—well, so Bazemore's, <laughs> like, best friends with Steph Curry. Remember when Steph Curry got in trouble for the moon talk that he didn't believe— that we went to the moon. I, I mean, I read that headline and I was like,
0: I'm not doing this, but is that, was it like, unironically? From, I, I don't believe in the moon leaning.
1: Yeah. And that's from the, the wing it podcast. That was that conversation. Got it. Um, but I wouldn't be opposed to Ken Baysmore. And I imagine Kenny Atkinson would not be opposed. It's just that he's making 19 million dollars next season, which is like pretty crappy and they don't really need him. You mm-hmm. know, they have enough of that. Uh, Wayne Ellington, Kentavious Caldwell Pope. I think we can. Uh, we do not want that. Um, Terrence Ross. Sure, <clears throat> I take Terrence Ross. I think the Magic though are competing, so I don't know if they would do that. Darren Collinson and Corey Joseph. Uh, because apparently Indiana wants to move one of its two point guards. We don't need that. Barf. So then we come to Otto Porter and Markeith Morris. Right, and it's it's your boys, like,
0: come on, bring them over. We had that always loved. I, I've always wanted a Morris. You know that.
1: Oh yeah. I, and I would take a Morris – like, so much of what I'm reading is that he's such a problem with that team. Um, he got benched and all this stuff, and it's like – the Nets just seem – they paid Dwight Howard $20 million so they wouldn't have to deal with Dwight Howard. So I I have a tough time thinking that the Nets will actually trade for Markeith Morris if he is a problem child. Mm-hmm. Um but it's one thing for, like, I think people need to start monitoring um, different kind of trade rumors with the Nets. Because the monitoring that we had been doing was for young assets or it was for salary dumps from other teams to where the Nets would take on first-round picks, right? But we had been monitoring that Kenneth Fareed trade for a year, basically. Um, what we need to be thinking of now is the teams that are bad, that maybe have one good player that the Nets could benefit from, now, what the Nets have to give up for that, I can't imagine the Nets are going to do anything. They're, they're not going to give up their first-round pick. I don't think they would give up the Nuggets' first-round pick unless it was actually for, like, a really solid player that was going to be on this team more than just the, Like, they're not going to rent him, right? So it's going to, have to, it's going to take someone out there. Like, it's going to be scanning the wires a bit for a two-year contract, two- or three-year contract, good player who's still young-ish. And isn't making a ridiculous amount of money. But it's exciting. Mm. Brian. Wow. That's going to be buyers. Could be wow. buyers at the trade deadline. Let's do it, man. Let's buckle up. Um, Anything else we got to hit before we go? Um, no.
0: No, I think that's it for me. All right. That, that's all. Um, Unless you want to talk about, you know, life stuff. How's your life?
1: Life is good. <laughs> well. Wow i you want to break down tears. Don't want to do it. Oh, um now you know. Um
0: Oh my gosh. Well <laughs> just bury it down. Just bury that one real down.
1: Yep, that's what I do. Um yeah. just be like Don well, Draper, you know. Yeah, that worked <laughs> out for him. Mm-hmm. Um so we have a couple of big games coming up. More wins potentially on the schedule. That's Charlotte. Wednesday and Friday matchup, the back-to-back against Charlotte the back-to-back games not back-to-back nights Um, super crucial then they're at the Bucks on the 29th and then January starts and they also then have I I hate look I don't know why I even look at the schedule but they have that I think it's the circus stretch or the rodeo or whatever is in town when in March they have what is it eight games on the road Against all good teams, but we'll see how Wait, that turns out.
0: Mike, I'm in I'm in the Nets Daily Comment Board. We have to watch this. Stephen A. Smith apparently says that uh Nets assistant coach went to dinner with Kawhi when they were in Toronto. Holy
1: okay. crap. Where is that? Okay. Where is that? Where <laughs> is that? I'll send I'll send I'll send it to you. Um So real quick about Kawhi. Here's just I've been thinking about this a lot because he, he's the guy that no one knows about. Um it would be un- almost unprecedented for a guy who – I think the Raptors are the best team in the East. And I would bet them to go to the finals. Um, it would be unprecedented for a guy to leave that team to go somewhere else. Um, almost ha- it did kind of happen with Kevin Durant. <clears throat> But, of course, they lost in the conference finals to the Golden State Warriors after blowing, you know, the lead that they had. Where would Kawhi go? Um, of course, the Clippers are uh, probably a heavy favorite than the Lakers. If he wants to play with LeBron, it makes a whole lot of sense. The third team has to be the, the Nets. We know about all the connections. Um, wh- what is it like? His doctor's is the team's doctor and his some some shoot no that's KD with the shooting coach that's <laughs> the shooting coach oh it's always the yeah the nets have like 18 <laughs> shooting coaches by the yeah. way big fan of pablo prigioni on the bench you see yeah. him behind it looks good in the suit yeah he's behind the bench he's always yelling in a good way like yeah. motivating the players slapping them on the behind i'm yeah. loving it i'm loving Pablo well, you know if you're if you're watching the games watch pablo prigioni on the bench yeah. um the the Nets as they keep winning, and if we are to be led to believe that Kawhi really doesn't want to live in Toronto, now what Toronto's sort of like Brooklyn, so maybe he doesn't want to live in a cold weather city too. Which Brooklyn we are, isn't it? Are. I mean, Toronto's
0: got to be way colder than Brooklyn.
1: It is, um, but I think if you're from LA, anything like below fifty degrees, it's all terrible sure. for you, right? right? So, like. Oh, but also, like my thing, this is just me. So Kawhi can feel how he wants to feel. If I'm making thirty million dollars a year, the cold doesn't matter. Does it matter to you? Br- like, if you're making that much money, just get in an Uber, go to places, get in an Uber, go to, go to a, a great bar that Toronto has, and of course, new, like. I mean, you know my like- stance
0: on this. I don't. <clears throat> I don't even particularly like summertime because. <laughs> Everything I want to do is indoors and and it's just it makes me feel guilty when the weather is nice, you know, <laughs> but when it 's not nice, I feel super
1: justified in staying inside all day I think when you 're making just that much money the the sort of normal troubles that you would have with the climate would matter a lot less. It just yeah. it should you're, you're like not we trudging have to... through the
0: snow to Trader Joe's.
1: <laughs> yeah <we're> not... <laughs> we yeah. have those crappy. Paper bags that are always going to break on you if you put, like, mm-hmm. one too many milk cartons in there. And it's just <laughs> How much disgusting. milk? You, you drinking too much milk. I can tell. Dude, like. A lot of milk. okay, A lot of milk. <laughs> and it's just, like, all the thing of the subway. Kawhi's not getting on the subway. You know, mm-hmm. he actually may be the kind of guy that would get on the subway, though. He may be, like, the kind of the, and he would just sit there. He would sit as close to, you know, the door as possible. He'd wrap his arms around the pole so no one else can have that pole. Mm-hmm. So it's just his pole. He's that kind of guy, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, which Nets assistant coach was, would it have been Jock Vaughn? I'm going to find out. i got to watch the thing. It probably would have been... Because didn't he play for the the Spurs? Yeah.
0: I think it would have been... There would have been crossover there, yeah.
1: By the way, uh, shout out to Adam, Adam Harrington, uh, Nets <clears throat> assistant coach. He... I made fun of him on Twitter and he laughed about it. I appreciate it. He... Uh, one of my favorite segments that Yes does... I mean, they do so many great ones, but it's the post halftime interview with a coach who is now never has never been Kenny Atkinson for many years now or a couple years and it's always some assistant coach and Adam Harrington stepped up to the plate and made fun of him and said he looks like the fifth member of Mumford and Sons I don't even know if they have four but I imagine they do mm. and he laughed about that on Twitter the nice Mike. I appreciate that but it probably was Jock Vaughn right let's let's probably. say that let's say it was take All a right. second, like yeah. Kawhi's That's coming daily. to the Nets. Uh, the Nets are not going to lose a game all season. Uh, we mm-hmm. will talk to you after the NBA Finals. Thank you for listening. NetsDaily.com, at is on Twitter, iTunes. Rate us. Subscribe to us. We want and we need them. We have to have them five stars, please, right now. Thank you. Brian, good night. So long, everybody. Bye-bye now.
0: Yeah, boy! <laughs>